Welcome back to Arab American Psycho. My name is Noor, and I am so excited about this week's guest. She's a writer and actress who you may recognize from her roles in Jack Ryan, Altered Carbon, Rami. Welcome, Dina Shihabi. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Noor. I'm so excited to have you on. We just spent like a solid five minutes talking about how we wish we were cats. So I already yeah. know that I really, really <laughs> like you. Exactly. I mean, it's I stand by that statement. I wish I was a cat. <laughs> and I mean, points were made, though. You were like, listen, they 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 want to be pets. Sometimes they don't like they're they're just very independent. I think all women should want to be cats, actually. Yeah, they're self-possessed. They yeah. like have these like fully formed personalities that they're like not trying too hard. They don't need to please you. It's like you don't, I don't know. It's just, it seems like a great situation. If you have the right owner, it's your, your set, your pet with the right owner. I think you've won the karmic lottery. Oh, absolutely. And also like winning over cats takes like time and effort versus dogs, which is why I think like when you like build a bond with a cat, it like feels more meaningful to me because like mm-hmm. I had to like, I had to like win them over. Like one of my cats didn't let me touch her for seven months. Wow. Really? <laughs> seven months. She wouldn't, she was, she was just scared. She was, she was reserved. She was like, who the fuck are you? Like new lady. And it, she just, she just, was she a my, rescue? She yeah, so it took time for her to like warm up and stuff. And I respect that 100%. I have boundaries too. I get it. And then now she's like the sweetest cat ever. And I feel like we we built our relationship in a healthy way. <laughs> oh my God. You see, that's that's goals to me. Like I wish someone had to like work hard to take seven months for like me to like them. Usually I like, like someone within five minutes. You know, it's like so <laughs> easy to win me over. I feel like I'm like an ex- dog human like becoming more of like a cat person (laughs) like I was like so eager and like a people pleaser and now I'm like oh wait I don't want to be that anymore and so I need to just like come hang out at your house and like watch how your cats act and then oh my god it's like an acting exercise where you like observe an animal and then you just like this sounds really weird I'm not no this is not like that is that is a thing that we do in acting school it's like you'd observe an animal on YouTube and then you'd have to be them like in a class or for a couple of hours. And it's, it's really interesting when it's cats because all the cats are always like in their body and, you know, not trying too hard. Like I'm very, I'm I'm very very into it. I'm envisioning like you doing like the cat pose from like yoga, like with the arched back and meowing. Is that that an accurate (laughs) reflection of what an actress would do to embody a cat? Oh my gosh. No, actually it looks more like you put black tinted like sunglasses on and like you sit in a corner and you just like watch people. Like that's oh my- more of, Dude, that's, that's literally more of, a like, cat. That's an a cat. embodied cat. Yeah. 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 I took it a little too literally. I'm like, so you're crawling around, you're meowing, you're hissing. You're like, no, that's not You what know what's happening. funny? A friend of mine told me that her meditation is she gets on all fours and she'll do like whatever animal sounds she wants. And so I tried that the other day and I was like, I feel like a crazy person, but it's like what you would do when you were a kid. And so it's actually like giving yourself freedom to be, to connect to your animal. So that's not the the acting exercise. This is just like a separate thing that 
I, I recommend you try when you're just alone. I got to be honest with you. Wanna, this is want to get everyone, weird. <laughs> everyone thinks we're so fucking weird right now, but like I frequently I <laughs> pretend to be a variety of animals. This isn't reserved to me just being a child. Like as an adult woman, if I'm around the right people, I will communicate purely in meows. Um, I've been known to make random rooster noises just for no reason at like a family oh gathering. God. Like you're I'm a all- woman after my own heart. This is just, <laughs> you're speaking my language. This is like what I'm trying to cultivate every day is like my animal and just like being connected, connected to it at all times. Like I'm so sick of being, I think like something about this whole COVID experience. I'm like, I'm so sick of feeling so like locked up and sanitized yeah, literally yeah. that I'm like, how can you be like, messier more like animal and free and anyway so you're you're doing you've been doing it already (laughs) I mean a rooster sound is something I've never experimented with but maybe I'll now I'm inspired I'll go there listen chickens and roosters are underrated pets I had them as a child they're there's just something about them I feel like you think like chicken rooster like whatever like they're just dumb little animals but they're super smart and affectionate and I, I'm an animal person generally speaking, but like, I really had strong relationships with my pet chickens and roosters as a child. I believe it. They would run to the car when I would get home from school and like, like dogs, like it was just absolutely wild. Oh my God. That makes me so sad. I feel like I eat chicken every day. (laughs) Do you eat eat chicken? Okay. I, I That's did. such like an Arab like like judgment. Like I'm like Arabs eat chicken every day. Like, oh 100%. no, we all of us do. Or, or like <laughs> lamb. Just we need yeah, yeah, yeah. to just, be eating an animal. Um, yeah. I went vegan as an 11 year old in protest of one of my rooster's deaths. Actually, it didn't last for longer than a month. I think. Wow. But as an adult now, I I do eat meat, but I also like try to eat plant based like. I would say 80% of the time because of the guilt that I have, but also apparently not enough so to stop me from eating meat entirely. But like, it really is like this weird innate, I think, Arab thing that like, we're just so used to our meals revolving around meat. It's just very hard to get out of that like thought process. Yeah. And actually I, I was vegan for a while. Oh really? um, Yeah. And like, I have an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. 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 Like, but I went vegan and it actually kind of fucked me up. Like it didn't sit well with me. And I think it's like, they say it could be like a blood type thing. And like, I did all the right things. Like I'm so health conscious that I don't know. I, so I'm like you where I, I won't have meat three times a day. Um, but I, I have it, I would say, I feel like I would, I'm, I would probably kind of go on the like 70% plant-based and then the rest. Um, I try and have some sort of, I just feel, I genuinely do feel better. No, um, I can can tell the diff, I can tell the difference with my focus. Actually, one of the things that did feel better plant-based is I do think my sleep was better weirdly but with me I do feel like my day-to-day focus and energy is better so I think there are probably benefits to both but I think what you're doing what I'm doing and ultimately like a balance is the best but yeah, yeah the meat thing the is best. real it's we're, fine you just say it Dina we're winning we figured it out <laughs> we have all the answers we're just yeah. the best at everything you know yeah, just exactly. whatever take from it what you will but no like I do think that it depends on like your body and like everyone is so different because my niece is a vegan and she like loves it and she feels better than ever. And she's been a vegan for years now. And like, 
I tried going vegan for a period of time and I just felt super bloated, super yeah, lethargic. And like me too. I gained weight actually when I yeah. went vegan and I was like, oh weird. I thought and everyone was like, the opposite's gonna happen. And I was like, okay, I'll wait. A year later, a year yeah. and a half later, I was like, the opposite is not happening. Yeah. I think I need to turn around and reevaluate. Yeah. And like listening to your body, I think is like something that's like really underrated, like, because mm-hmm. we're like fed all these different like ideas that like, this is the best and do this and do that. But like, everyone's body is so different. And just you if it doesn't feel good, it's just it's not the right thing for you. And that's fine. Like you tried it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that just in general, that's like a kind of rule that I like to live by. And I feel like it's, it's worth exploring different ways of living if they're like healthier, but like, if it's not what your body needs, then like, you need to like respect that and and figure out what your body does need and give it that. Exactly. Exactly. It's so important. Yeah. Being intuitive. I really wanted to just because like we, we talked about this very briefly, but I feel like you have like an interesting upbringing. So you were born in Saudi Arabia, I believe in Riyadh. Yes. And how long did you live there for? I lived there till I was seven. And then um, at the time, they it, it became illegal for girls to play sports in school. Okay. Um, that was just reversed recently under oh, MBS, which is kind of amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Um but my parents sort of, you know, talked about it and thought at that exact moment we could raise our daughter in this, you know, in Saudi and she'll turn out to be a certain type of person or we could move her to Dubai, which was like at that moment, like really changing and becoming this like cosmopolitan city. Um, and that was really happening while I was growing up there. And so they decided to do that, like give me more of a, um, a Western upbringing. Cause I really feel like Dubai is a Western country in many ways, even though it's, you know, still has like a very, um, um, it's obviously a Muslim culture, but it's like 75% expats or something. Um, I think. Um, and so I ended up moving to Dubai when I was seven growing up there. I, spent about a year over a year in Beirut when I was 15. Um, but for the most part I grew up in Dubai and, um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved Saudi as a kid too. Um, and I still have a few friends from my childhood, but I don't know. Growing up in Dubai was amazing. (laughs) I loved it so much. And I, I, Beirut was like a life changing experience for me. I think it, that year in Beirut, like, really made me who I am in many ways. I definitely want to hear about, like, your experience in Beirut, but I just think it's really interesting whenever someone tells me that they loved living in Dubai because I lived there for a few years. And oh, wow. I, I lived there all throughout high school. And I think, if I remember correctly, you are born in 89, right? Yeah. I'm born in 89, too. So, uh... Where'd you go to high school? I went to, I I just, I moved around school so much because like I did not, I straight up was not having a good time when I lived there. But also like, I think it's just because like I was, I was exposed to a handful of situations that really stuck with me and really uh, altered my perception of the Emirates in general. And I know that like, you know, that was maybe like a unique experience. But basically I I just witnessed a lot of racism when I lived there against, you know, people who are like Southeast Asian and and stuff like that. And it really just... It really upset me and deeply affected me and made me 
feel like a lot of people were being dehumanized. And I was just super like shocked. It was the first time I had ever seen just people being that openly racist. And it really, it just really- Where were you before Dubai? Um, so I, I was born in America and then I moved to Malaysia when I was seven. And then I moved to, yeah, I moved to Dubai when I was 11. And then I lived there till I was 16 or 12. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I won't disagree with you. I think that is like, it, that's the same in Saudi. Like it's so, 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 it's such a huge problem. I'll never forget when I was like 12, I like did this whole research project on um, like the workers in Dubai. And like, I found out so much information about how they're like treated, where they live. Like it's, horrific it's slave labor it's awful and that part of the kind of dark every country has its darkness for sure we're yeah in, we're in america there's a healthy dose of that here like absolutely it's it, it is totally the darkness of that part of the world that's i mean there's other darknesses i think but that is a huge one and i was i'm right there with you i found that so upsetting and like really awful and i the even like i would see like friends parents treat people in a certain way. And I was like, always horrified and so upset. I remember like crying and being so upset about it on like multiple occasions, you know, but yeah, yeah, I completely agree. That's, and that's the thing. I think that like your first couple experiences moving into a new country really do kind of like define how you see things. And it happened so early on that like, even though I made some really great friends there and had really amazing experiences and I'm still glad that I lived there because I think being exposed to different cultures is super important. Um, but it really did kind of dictate the tone of how I just viewed a lot of the way people like the lifestyle there and just like a lot of things that I just, yeah. I feel like I couldn't un- unsee the things that were happening. And and even if they were more subtle, I still noticed it because I was so like hyper aware, but I, I wonder about- too, because yeah. like you came coming in at 11 versus seven is very different. You're sort of like coming in with a lot more awareness as opposed to like coming in as a kid and like being embedded in the culture. But, um, but I, I mean, I loved it like because I I grew up in this like dance company and my entire experience was like with this incredible, like my, when I think of Dubai, I think like, Oh, that's where I started dancing. And so like everything is like cloaked in like the spirit of that, you know? Um, but, so when did I you mean, start? Of, I could I could go down a deep dive. <laughs> like, fucked up things about Dubai and a lot of actually fucked up things about like growing up there and um. But yeah, when it's like the kind of overall experience is like oh that's where I started dancing and so that's like it holds no, a special place in my heart for sure. That's that's amazing. So how old were you when you started taking dance lessons? Um, I started taking dance lessons quite young when I was still in Saudi, but um. And I remember I was like five or I must actually I must have been like six years old because it was around the time the sports thing happened mm-hmm. and I was six. And so my parents quickly put me in ballet. And um, I I remember being like really flexible, but hating it, like thinking it was <laughs> so lame, um, but like showing off that I could do the splits. Like that's like an early memory of like me in that in a dance class. And then when I went to Dubai, I like continued ballet class, but I just hated it and I begged my mom to let me stop and eventually she let it she let me um drop it and then um I was really into tennis I was really into sports and then a couple of years later when I was 11 turning 12 I walked into a dance class um of this woman Sharmila Kamte and 
I like my life was changed. Like I walked into that class and I was like, oh, this is who I'm going to be. I knew it like before I even started dancing. Um, and I was bad at it. I like couldn't dance, but I just like had this really strong feeling of, oh, I like, this is me. This is me. This is like my destiny. Yeah. Um, and within a year I was dancing in her professional company and, um, she really mentored me. And, um, through that, um, I never even thought of acting. I mean, actually I would like, I would weirdly do, since I was a kid, I would do like Oscar speeches in the bathroom, but like, that's amazing. But I never thought like, Oh, I want to be an actor. Cause I, I've always had a kind of unique voice that growing up was like really, really high pitched when I was a kid. And I was bullied a lot for it and so I was very self-conscious of like talking in front of people and so dance was like this perfect place where like I was connected to my body and I felt so free and powerful and like sexy and in a culture where like you weren't totally encouraged to be all of those things you know no um and and so I would, I was drawn to acting in school, but yet for the longest time, I was like, I am going to be a dancer, like a hundred percent. It was actually because like, I tried finding dance programs that were the kind of dance programs that I would want to be in. And none of them existed. Like I didn't want to go into ballet. I didn't want to go into like contemporary, like I, my favorite thing to do was like hip hop and be a hip hop dancer. And so I was like, oh, there are no like hip hop dance programs and then um yeah you didn't ask me about how I got into acting but it, it, it sort of like bled into yeah I th- that then, you you but, this is a perfect transition because that was going to be my follow-up question is did dancing is that what led you to believing like I think that I want to perform in some way well yeah because um it's sort of all over the place like I was well, I was self-conscious of talking around people. And so there was a shyness to me when I was like in fourth grade and I had a teacher that like forced me into the school musical. And so I would do school plays, but yeah, it never really like had a huge impact on me, but I loved being on stage and I loved dancing on stage. And I just had such this, I don't know. I just had this feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to be up here. And then I got more involved with acting in school. And then I had a teacher who basically, um, like an acting teacher in high school who was like, you know, I know you want to be a dancer, but you should consider acting. Like you've got a natural talent with acting. Um, and so it only took that, you know, and I'm like, really, I do. Um, and then, um, when I couldn't really find the perfect dance program, I told my mom the thing my act teacher had said, and she's like, I've always thought you should be an actor. Like you should pursue that. And I think she was really worried about like, if I got an injury at a da- as a dancer, like what would that mean? You know, cause my parents, it was a bit, I, I'm sure they were worried sort of looking at my future and being like, wow, is Dina really going to be a, a dancer? And my mom was so supportive and my dad ended up becoming really supportive. But I think, any parent when you're becoming an athlete or anything that's reliant on your body, the shelf life of that is like really fragile. And, um, and so I remember being like really angry at her and feeling really unsupported and being like, fuck her. She doesn't want me to be a dancer. And I was like, (laughs) but, um, 
but yeah, so it was, it was sort of like a series of events. And then I decided to apply to like musical theater programs, but like I didn't sing. And so I didn't get into any of them. All of them actually were like, why are you, you should be a dancer. Cause I would like nail the dance audition and like fail at everything else. I didn't even know like what a monologue was. Like I was so unprepared for any of like the acting singing stuff. And so then I moved to New York and I would take, I was like, I'll take acting classes and like try it out. And so I would take acting classes and dance classes. Um, and then I got a dance agent really fast and I was actually like becoming a professional dancer in New York. I was like dancing on SNL and working with these really cool choreographers. Holy and shit. Then, I did not know this. That's so impressive. Yeah. Um, but this is like 18 to 20. And then I, um, I was also, you know, taking acting classes at this conservatory. And then I, I really wanted to be a part of their like third year invited company. And I didn't get invited and I was like devastated. And I was like, I guess I'm not supposed to be an actor. And then one of the teachers connected me with this, acting teacher named Wynn Handman, who's just like, he died recently, but he's like this famous, just epic, like acting teacher. And, um, he is the, he was the first person to like really believe in me in New York. And he just like within five minutes of meeting me was like, there's something about you and I'm gonna like take you under my wing. And he really did. And, um, and the more and more I studied with him, the more and more I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was so clear, like, so, so clear. And there's some it's like so not to be underestimated to have someone like that believe in you. It's like that's what you really need. And those like when you're coming into this business, when you're choosing this as a path, like you really need like just takes one person oh, to see 100%. you right and be like oh there's something about you and you're this like dancer from Dubai who's self-conscious about her voice and like I I, I know all but like he he made me own that in a way and I feel like 10 years later now is like I'm actually finally owning that but um he really really loved me and believed in me and then I studied with him for two years and then I decided to apply to acting schools and I applied to Juilliard and I applied to um, NYU's graduate acting program, even though I didn't have an undergrad, but there was a guy coaching me and he was like, um, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. Like Juilliard's very competitive and like, it's, you know, you want to have more than one option and um, he was like, you should also apply to Yale, but I didn't want to leave the city. I was like too in love with New York. So he's like, NYU grad's amazing. And it has like 75% of the same teachers as Juilliard. And it's actually like, it's a different vibe. You might like it, but they're probably not going to accept you because you don't have a, an undergrad degree. Um, and I ended up getting into both Juilliard and NYU's graduate acting program. And NYU actually like gave me a waiver when I first auditioned they were like wait you don't have you didn't go to college like this is a graduate acting program and I sort of shrugged my shoulders like I didn't really <laughs> have an excuse I was like yeah I know um but they um yeah and I ended up going to NYU because I just felt more I don't know there was something about Juilliard and I've spent so much time being like wait did I pick the right school yeah and, um but there was something about NYU that felt a little like older and like, I don't know why, but like sexier. Like there was something like Dubai is so 
this is a theme of this call. Like I was saying earlier, like I, I don't want to, you know, I kind of want to like break free. Maybe this was before we started recording, but like the animal thing, like I want to be like messier and less like controlled. I think after this pandemic, it's made that clear to me. Like there's something about my upbringing and being in Dubai, like you were in Dubai. It was like, so it's such a new city and it's so clean in many ways and like luxurious and like yeah I walked into Juilliard I was like oh this is like the Dubai of acting yeah. schools like I was like I've I've done this before like I don't I I don't feel like this is what I need and then I went to NYU and it's like on the like it's this one floor and it's like messy and you, people are like fucking hitting themselves against the walls and it's just like <laughs> everyone's like pulling their hair out and I was like oh there's like chaos here in a way that like I'm drawn to and so I went there and I'm really, really glad I did because I, it's actually where I started writing and they really, really encourage you to be more than just an actor there. And so I think ultimately like it's served me well. So that's how it all. I mean, listen, honestly, first of all, that's, that's everything about the story that you just told me. Like, I love how much you really like, hype up these people who who supported you and just all it took from them was to just like make you feel like seen or or or, like let you know like no you do have a talent and I think that that's something that a lot of people really underestimate just what a difference it can make to have someone tell you like no I see something in you that makes you stop and say wait someone else sees it or like or maybe you haven't even noticed it about yourself and you're like wait, maybe this is a, a special talent that I have that is unique to me that I should, you know, put, investigate further and see what it means. And, and also like, I, I, I love that you trusted your gut in such a way picking, you know, where you were going to school because you hear Juilliard. And I mean, listen, I don't know shit about dance or anything or acting, but I know when you hear that, you're like, oh, Juilliard, that's a big fucking deal. So the mm-hmm. fact that like, you were like, no, I'm going to go with my gut. And it was the right thing for you, I think is also and not to say at all that NYU school is not NYU is not also an incredible school. Um, but it's just you hear Juilliard, it's kind of synonymous with like, so many things you've seen it in movies, or I have and I feel like for you to just trust your gut so hardcore at like a young age is really impressive to me because I think that that's something that I like I only started really cultivating and honing in on like as I grew into my more mature woman years where I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust my gut. But like you knew and you're like, I have to do this. And I, I don't know, like I, I really, I love everything about that story. I was like just listening so intently because I'm like, this is such a, I think story of someone who is just doing what they are meant to do. And it just happened very organically and, Uh and in, in a way where like you just really took a risk and it it worked out. I mean, it was a, it was a great risk to take, honestly. Thanks. Well, I think I've always been really, really intuitive and Mm -hmm. I've always made like not risky decisions, but I've always, um, just followed my heart and it's never been wrong in times where I feel like I've, you know, gaslit myself or like not believed in like what I knew was true. I've paid the consequences, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so, cause I, I'm right there with you. Like even when I called my parents and I was like, I think I'm going to choose NYU. They were like, what? Like you got into Juilliard. And yeah. I was like, and even it's funny. Um, 
there's an acting teacher at Juilliard and NYU. He teaches in both places. And one of the reasons I wanted to go to Juilliard is I saw his, um, uh, his he directed a play called The Seagull, which, which is an Anton Chekhov play, um, which is one of my favorite plays. He's a like Russian playwright, very yeah. Just I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's like I, kind of like the. Most I have. Kind of, I'm like, and also those yeah. Russian, those Russian, they, their names you will never forget them once you learn them because it's, it's just so like, true. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I think it's like you must study them in, yeah. in school too because yeah. they're like so brilliant and um, and I remember seeing seeing that play at Juilliard and being like oh my God, I want to come here because of that. And then when I chose NYU, NYU did this thing, which was like a three-year Chekhov project, which they gave each class a Chekhov play. And it's only you're only 16 students. You're 18 at Juilliard and 16 at NYU. Um, and you get given a play, a Chekhov play, and you work on it for your three years there at NYU. And so you get to like spend three years with these characters and it's like inspired by how the way like Russian theater um, is constructed. They work for a play for, they work on a play for years. And so it really sort of like gets into like your flesh and bones and like you grow and your life experiences start bleeding into the characters experiences and vice versa. It's such a like juicy, like, I mean, it's, it's like the best kind of, it was my favorite thing that we worked on. Um, and out of like a crazy, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it was like a sign from, you know, the universe. This teacher, Richard Feldman, ended up doing that exact same play with my class at NYU. Oh my Just God. so happened to be that way. It was meant to be. And so, like, it was, it was, and yeah, so that was yeah. like, immediately I was like, that is the reason I wanted to go to Juilliard. And now I'm doing that at NYU. So any, cause I had all those, like, am I making the right decision? Like, am I insane? Like, what am I doing? Um, and not to say like incredible actors haven't gone to NYU. They have like, um, and so, and they're doing really well right now. Like, right. Um, but it's, yeah, it was just, um, I was affected by that name too. And so when that happened, I was like, oh, this is meant to be. And, I got to spend like three years with this, with the teacher that was the reason I wanted to go to that school to begin with. And so I ended up actually getting a lot more time with him and getting a lot closer to him with that experience at NYU than I would have ever had at Juilliard. So it ended up working totally in my favor and exactly like how I wanted it to. So I was like very pleased and I like, I love him so much. He's such a mentor to me, like still. Um, I, um, yeah, so it all just out. The, the power of trusting your intuition and your gut, like oh, yeah, for everything. women specifically, like yes. I can't emphasize it enough. Like we know shit like, and we doubt ourselves so much and it's, and it's, and I mean, don't get me started. I can start talking about the patriarchy and all this other shit, but like women need to trust their gut feelings. Like we know, like we know, like whether, even if it sounds like crazy and we're like, how, like, no, this is, I'm just being paranoid or I'm just this or and like, no, like we fucking know shit. Like it's, we, we are pretty magical in that way. And any experience I've had where I've trusted my gut has always really worked out very just naturally and, and, and worked out better than I could have imagined. And when I ignore those gut feelings is where I find myself in situations where 
I don't want to be it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's really something that it sounds very like witchy or whatever, but like, it's just the truth. Like women are intuitive as fuck. And like, we really need to stop doubting ourselves. Oh, a hundred percent. And I really think we're also like women and men, we're all such sensitive creatures. Like we're in really highly sensitive feeling bodies in space. And I think there's something to be said about telling your body that you trust it. So when it, it has a feeling that you don't go, oh no, you're wrong to yourself. You know, like you don't put yourself down. You actually like follow through with that feeling. You're like, oh, this is what I want to do. And so I'm, I feel that. So I'm just going to try it and see what happens. Like I would rather make a mistake trusting myself than Mm -hmm. like win out on something like not trusting myself. I, I, I think there's something to be said about like teaching yourself that like you have your back and that like you're listening to yourself like that. I don't know. I find more and more like cultivating that connection with like that inner voice in you, that inner gut feeling, especially for women, but yeah. for both women and men is, is everything. Like you owe it to yourself in order to like love and trust yourself. Um, so much beauty comes from that. Absolutely. And, and I, I like it's, it, I, I get why there's reservations around it because it is scary. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like the totally. reward just really always outweighs it. Like you, you stop even remembering at any point that you felt like this was a risk because it just, I don't know. But I, I do want to know, I know you mentioned that your mom was pretty supportive. Um, how how did your dad kind of feel about you getting into dance and, and acting? Is, is your Dad Arab or your mom Arab? Or are they both Arab? I now I'm confused. They're both they're both they're both half. Okay, okay. Um, they're both half Arab and then my dad's half Norwegian and then my mom's half German and Haitian. Got it. Um but she was raised in the south of France. Um and my dad was also raised all over. But yeah, it was it was hard for my father at the beginning, especially because you know what that culture is like. Like I would hear his friends be like you know, your daughter is loose and, you know, are you really going to let, it was so much like what we don't, I feel like what I, I try and explain to people a lot of the time, like so much, so much of what my choices did, like didn't affect me, but it would affect how people treated like my older brother and how they treated like my dad and like the things they'd say to him because that that honor culture is like all the woman's actions are reflected on the family and so it's like I would like get drunk and they'd find like what like then my brother would get shit for it you know what I mean it was like yeah. so weird it, it, it makes it's no such sense a weird it's such a weird thing yeah and I and I actually like I have a lot of I'm like been working on this like article that I've been writing forever um, called like to be a sister of brothers and like experience of being like, I only, I have two brothers and to like being the only girl in like an Arab family in the, in the Arab world and like how so many things that, you know, so many of the judgments I faced, like how that also affects men as much as if like putting women down actually fucks men over too, you know, like, and um, I feel like I just saw that so clearly growing up. And so that's what I, I remember just feeling like 
upset that my dad had to like navigate his friends saying that about me. And he always stood up for me, you know? And, um, and I think he just like saw that I was so happy and I was so dedicated. Like I was like, people in Dubai called me like, are they like, Oh yeah. Dina, the dancer. Like that was how I was known. Like I was like dance first, then like food and water and everything else. Like it was such a priority, like more than a social life, more than having like a boyfriend. Like I didn't care so much about anything, but like being the best dancer possible. Um, I was obsessed. And so he saw that, I mean, I was dancing every day for hours. Like he saw how dedicated I was and how dedicated I still am. And so to him, he was always, he's really impressed by me and really impressed by what I've like accomplished and how hard I've worked. And also he just like, he always says, he's like, if it makes you happy, like, I just want you to be happy, you know? And like him and I've been through a lot where, you know, I've made certain choices. I did like a sex scene on screen and that was like horrifying to him and like really, really hard. And I handled it really badly at the time. Like I kind of kept it, I kept it a secret because I was so terrified of what he would think. And I kind of dropped it on him. Like, the day it was coming out into the world and which was like so not the way to handle it but I was just like and you know it's funny I was telling my boyfriend this morning I was like we were just talking um just in general about just I don't know life and just I I don't know how it came up but I was like oh my god like that year I kept that a secret like I became so miserable like it haunted me to like keep something from him because he'd been so supportive of me but also like I was trying to like make my own decisions and like you know follow that intuition and take risks and I think when you're an actor like you you are like you have to go to those places that are uncomfortable for people that's sort of like your job you know at least that's how I see it as like and then in general I think everyone yeah put themselves in situations that make them uncomfortable to a certain degree I think there's so much growth in those uncomfortable experiences and you you gain a different type of confidence in yourself and and you just you feel so capable and accomplished and you're like I can overcome these things that are scary to me oh yeah and I mean you learn so much about yourself and I don't regret it at all because it's like I really really have grown from that experience as an actor and also as like a daughter and a person and a woman and um you learn so much by not holding yourself back, you know? And yeah. I think there's like a lot of beauty and power in that. And um, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of what living is. It's like, if you live your life and that's the thing I lived, I had, I feel like in some way I made a contract um, with my family where I was like, you know, I, if you let me do this thing, I'll be like, perfect daughter you know I'll be like the best daughter you could ever imagine and then I just (laughs) sort of like pulled the rug out um and it's and it's like because it's just it's unsustainable to be perfect no no one can do it I mean it's like our cat conversation right it's like (laughs) it's unsustainable to like be the perfect anything be like please everyone it's impossible it's like such a like you're just always going to fail. And like, I'm realizing more and more like that isn't what I'm after. Um, I'm after being honest with myself and being true to like my desires and needs and like what I want and fighting for that no matter what. And 
everyone around you, if they love you, like they'll learn from it too. And then you'll all sort of like navigate that together. And I mean, I've been disappointed by people that I love so much. Um, and I've learned a lot from being disappointed by them because it makes you check in with yourself and you're like, whoa, why were my expectations of that person so like impossible? Like they were going to disappoint me. Like I had them on a pedestal, like why? And why why do I do that to people? Like what about me needs to be seen in that way? And so it's all just like fucking great. It's great to be in like the mess of life and ultimately um, you can't live your life scared of making people upset. You have to kind of jump into the deep waters and like the people that love you and like can handle it will fucking deal with like they'll be able to take care of themselves like you have to give people enough credit you know that they can handle it they can handle your wildness I think (laughs) I'm literally I I want to send this episode when we're done to every person in my fucking life because I want them to hear that (laughs) because Uh, you're much more articulate than I am. I mean, you you just like, that's, I I feel like that's a message I've been trying to get across a lot of people in my life who I love and I see them suffering because they want to make the people around them that they love happy so badly. And like, I get it. I totally get it. And, and I think growing up in an Arab household or in an Arab culture, there are these expectations that are put on you and you don't want to let people down. And like you were saying, like, even though your parents were supportive, you can see them getting this external weird fucking negativity and and they have to learn to navigate that. And you're like, you almost feel bad for, because you feel like I put you in this situation. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, I mean, if you are doing what you feel is right for you, the people around you who love you and support you will see that and they will deal with whatever comes with it and they will be okay with it. In fact, they'll probably feel really proud of you and 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 gain new respect for you, especially when you're showing that you're so dedicated to this thing that you love. It's like, if anything if there's anything that I know Arabs can respect, it's hustle. It's hard work. It's dedication. Like it it just, it like, and, and I think a lot of times we, you know, as Arab women, we do see other people having these negative experiences and with their families, not approving of things. And it does breed this, this fear, which is why I love when people come on and talk about like positive experiences that they've had with their parents, because I'm genuinely of the belief that Arabs have a really hard time humanizing their parents. I don't know what it is about it, but we have a difficult time humanizing them. And we don't give them enough credit for how flexible they can be and how willing they are to learn or change. And I think that some people definitely don't have that experience. And I don't want to like, you know, not acknowledge that. But I think, you know, once I kind of got over that fear with my parents and, and being more open and honest with them about who I am and what I do and what I love that's when my relationship with them just went to a whole other level. And it was just like knowing that they support me for who I am is, is a kind of joy that I think it just, you can't compare that to to anything. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's so huge. And I know I've had friends whose parent, you know, who, whose parents aren't talking to them right now because certain decisions they've made. And like, I went through that with my dad, you know, for like a couple of months, but coming out the other side of it, like, I just, I'm so moved and like in awe of him. And that like, 
as an Arab dad to choose like, no, I'm going to like love my daughter. And even if I don't agree with like all the choices she's making, like I still like have so much respect for her. And like, I mean, he tells me he's proud of me every day. Like, it's like, I couldn't have more supportive parents. And so I feel so, so, so lucky for that because I, there's so much freedom that comes from getting to be authentically who you are and then having your family see that and love you, you know, um, it's really, really special. And I, um, yeah, I want to like, sometimes I want, I like imagine I'm like, if I ever win like some sort of award or anything, like the first thing I always think of saying, and this is so like narcissistic that I've ever even thought of this, but like the truth is, is like every actor thinks of this, but it's like, I always think like, if there's like a dad out there that like doesn't want his daughter to do this because he he's uncomfortable. I'm like, tr- like, trust me. Like if you just let them do it, you know, cause we do come from a culture where like your parents do have a say and like who you are, unless you yeah. are like completely, it's really like I could not have like come to America and done this. If like my family didn't support me from the beginning, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, it's just like navigating that and, and finding yeah. a balance that makes everyone content in a way. Maybe it's not exactly what they hope. Like, listen, I exactly. And it's like, even yeah. if it makes you uncomfortable, like, yes. you can still like, love them and they will still love you. Like, I think there's this huge fear that like you go, you go to America, you become an actress and you completely abandon your family values and everything that like, you know, you abandon your family. You know, I think that was one thing that was really terrifying for my parents. They were like, we didn't raise you to be this person that would make a choice like that. And my thing is like, actually they did. They raised me to feel like I can make my own choices. And that's why I've that's why I'm successful. So the same thing that scares you about me is actually the thing you are most proud of. And like, ultimately you can't control, you can't control what choices I make because like the person that makes that decision is also the person that makes the decisions that have led me to like where I am right now, you know? And so it's, but that's terrifying. And that's part of like, I have to be okay with the fact that like I can't control their reactions and they have to be okay with the fact that like they can't control my choices. And like, that's unconditional love. And it doesn't mean you're not going to get upset each other, get scared, like call each other names sometimes. Like those things are going to happen because we're humans and like we have feelings and we're, we're all looking at the world through our conditioning and like our parents are conditioned. Like, you know, and like from our culture, they have way more of that shit weighing on their shoulders yeah. than we do. Like we are like, and hopefully our kids will have less of it, you know? And so it's, it's, it's just like, I want, like, I want to like tell those fathers, like, I know you're terrified and I know you think you're going to like lose your daughter to some wild thing, but actually like giving them permission, like you're giving yourself a gift because we're all extensions of each other. So if I'm going through the world and like breaking down doors that you were too afraid to, like you're breaking down those doors. Like I, I do feel like certain things, certain choices I've made have given my parents more freedom to truly be themselves more authentically. You know what I mean? Cause they're like, Oh, Dina's making those decisions. Like I'm going to make those decisions. I thought at least least I've seen them really grow And then I see them grow and do things and I'm like, oh my God. And then I start growing. Like, it's like this exchange I have with them is so cool. Like, like my father will say something sometimes and I'm like, 
wow, like I, I never imagined that would come out of your mouth yeah. to me. Yeah. And like, I do think it's because it's because of the person I've become. So he feels comfortable to talk to me that way. And then he talks to me that way. And it gives me even more permission to be that person. So it's this like constant sharing. It doesn't just like, you're not rejecting your family by doing this thing that scares them. You're actually like giving them more permission to do the things that scare them, which is really beautiful. And I think that like we a lot of times, and I say this a lot, like we just fail to consider that all relationships are relationships. You know, we think about romantic exactly. relationships and then we don't really think about it the same way, but they're hard and they're, and, and you need to put in work and it, and you need to make compromises and, and they're constantly evolving and changing. And you need to realize that the way you show love is not the way that the other person will always show love. And it doesn't make one better than the other. And I just think all the ideas that we have about a romantic relationship should be applied to relationships that we have with our families, specifically our parents. And, and it's so funny that you were talking about, um, you know, you, you feeling like, the person you are is a result of your parents because the other day I, I had, I had a very stereotypical Arab girl situation. I had an uncle ask me about getting married and, you know, at this point I'm a pro, like I know how to dodge these questions. I know how to answer them. I know how to give them what they want without lying. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just waiting for the right person. And he made a comment about if you ever met a guy and he wanted you to change the career path you were in, what would you say? And I know that he wanted what he was hoping for is me being like, well, of course I would stop everything I was doing and just like, you know, worship the ground my husband walked on. But instead (laughs) I was like, um, that would be really weird. And it would make me understand that this person has no respect for me as a human or as an individual. And so, no, I would never change my career path. And if my partner wasn't supportive of it, that's not the right person for me. And, and my mom, you know, heard this conversation and later I was chatting with her and she was just like, you know, um, uh, she's like, why, why do you always have to like, uh, give pushback? Just, just nod or whatever. And I'm like, mom, you, you raised me to be this person that I am. Exactly. I, I am you. I'm like, you are the most fiercely independent woman I've ever met in my life. Like you broke all the barriers, every single one. You did it a lot more gracefully than me. I'll give you that, but you, that's who you are. So don't be surprised when your daughter is the same as you. And she just was like, fuck, you're right. Like she didn't say fuck, you're right. But oh, it was just so good. Yeah. The look on her face was just like, shit, I guess I did do that. I guess I am fiercely independent. And yeah, no, this makes sense. And it was just like, it's like moments like that, that you realize you're like, no, I am your child in every way. And, and these things that I, I value about myself, my strength, my independence, like they didn't just come out of thin air. You know, they, they were rooted in, in having this strong female role model all my life. And then I did the work necessary to, to, to add on that. But like it truly, she is the reason why I am the way I am. And I don't know that I would be who I am today without her being this very fiercely independent Palestinian strong woman who doesn't give a fuck and does what she wants. And her career is so important to her. And, and it's just, it's definitely, you know, situations like that. It's like underestimating the way your parents will be receptive to things, I think just gets in the way a lot of times of just building a relationship that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I love and that uh, so much. I love that so much. I, I definitely, though, I wanted to, I want to talk to you about like so many things. This is a problem. I'm like, I, there are so many things I want to ask you about, but 
the first time I saw you on screen was in Rami. And as soon as I saw your character, I immediately looked up like, who the fuck is this girl? Who is this girl? Because I was like, she, she I, I'm like, dude, no, she's Arab. Like, she's 100% Arab. There's no way she's not Arab. So I like look it up. I'm like, oh my God, she's Arab, whatever. I get like super fucking excited. I, I literally, I'm like, I want there to be a show about that, that fucking character. Because the I way know. it is me I was like this needs to be its own show and I know a lot of people were super fucking butthurt about it I definitely saw things online being like this is not a representation I'm like no it really actually is a huge representation of a lot of Arab Muslim whatever you want to call it women living in America and it it, it, I think that it was just it was such an effective role in a lot of ways to me it really spoke to me I I would be interested in knowing like what was it like for you playing that role um well Rami's a friend of mine and had was like I wrote this role for you like will you do it and um I was like yeah of course (laughs) he was like you're the only person I I can do this with and I was like yeah for sure because it's like you know you're getting like I'm like fingering myself as he's like choking me in the back of a car. Like it's very sort of graphic in many yeah. ways. It's like way more graphic than like the sex scene I did and like this other thing, Jack Ryan, <laughs> which was like ruined my life for a bit. But um, it's like, um, I, I loved it. I mean, I, it was like my favorite, you know, not, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but like actually unbiased. Like when I read the pilot, I was like, Oh, this is the best part of like I just like loved that he put that in there and it's just it's such a testament to him because he's so aware of that like the like the double standard between men and women and um and I don't know it was just fun and you know it was it I was so I was more just like at the time just like so proud of him and so excited that the show was finally happening because I just had known about it for a while and um, so it just felt such a, it just felt so satisfying to like do something with someone you love and care about and like want them to win. And so this thing, I mean, we were just like, it was very like funny and we we're laughing a lot. And I never really like, I remember being like nervous about it just a little bit because I was like, oh shit, like this is like, I'm putting myself in like a compliment. Like this is like, I don't want my father to watch this. You know what I mean? Right. I don't want my yeah. parents to watch this. Like, Understandable. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm like, but I don't want to be ashamed of this. Right. Stuff. And like, yeah. she does say something, like the character does say something. That's funny. Her name's Noor. Um, she does say something in the pilot, um, you know, where she's like, am I supposed to be like the what? Like, you know, you, yeah. that double standard I've always thought was so upsetting. Like I had so many friends that, you know, would move to America, like have sex with like all their like white American girlfriends, then like go back to Saudi or Dubai and like marry virgins. And you're just like... And it's this like sort of idea of like, wait, why? And like, there's no, there's nothing wrong on like whatever, you know, spectrum you are of like what you decide to do in terms of like waiting for marriage or not, if you're religious or not. But I always just thought that was like, there was such a, um, like a hypocrisy, you know, when it came to like men and women and sexuality and like so many men I knew like lost their virginity to like hookers in Dubai. It was just like all these things that I just grew up around with like, around like female sexuality versus male sexuality in that culture. And I I just thought like, I don't know. I felt like that role and that part just like hit that, like the nail on the head in terms of like what that feels like. So it just definitely like resonated with me and like tapped into this part of me that's like kind of angry and like frustrated that like, 
um, the expectations on us are like to be, you know, pure um, and, and, yeah. and, and, and just like these, yeah. And, and, and that's why I think that that was such a special moment for me to see, obviously Rami is a show about the Arab American experience. And then I see you come on screen, you're an Arab actress. And so everything, and her name was Noor. And so that obviously was mm-hmm. immediately like hyped. And I just, I, it was, Rami is one of those shows. It was the first time for me to feel represented, to truly feel seen and heard. And I think that that is the beauty of, of, of movies and, and TV shows is, is you want to see parts of yourself. You want to feel seen. You want to feel validated. You want to see other people having shared experiences. And it's, it, it, I, it makes such a big difference. I think as an Arab American to see that happen, because I was just like, finally, finally, there's, there's, they're showing a different side of the Arab woman that does exist. And there's so much shame tied to it, that people often don't want to talk about it or think about it, or even put it in a TV show. And, and, and I was so happy to see it be included, because I was like, I think, the way Arabs view ourselves and how others view Arabs in America, like just everything about it, it all is this weird, like Arab women are submissive. They're, they're quiet. They are this, they're that. And I'm, Arab I just, women are like the strongest women I know. It's, it's, I literally, I'm like, I have a group, like I have a, like an Arab girl crew, obviously. And like anytime men come in and like, or like other women come in and like meet this group of friends, they're shocked. And I'm like, yeah, what? Like they're shocked that like, there's like six other examples of me out there. Cause we're all very similar. And it's like, it's, and I, it, it's almost like insult. I'm like, I'm flattered, but then also like insulted at the yeah. same time when people react that way. Cause they're like, Oh my God, how do you guys exist? I'm like, fuck, like, of course we exist. Like, this is who we are. Like yeah. Arab women. Are, and that's why, I mean, I've written my own show. That's like about Arab women living in LA. And it's like, tell me about just, it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, um, it's called the I'm writing it with another Palestinian. Amazing. Um, I, I, I know it's next. coming out on Freeform, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they need to like officially pick it up. It's, um, we're writing the pilot right now, but, um, which I'm so fucking proud of, but like, yeah, it's, it, it will be on Freeform and it's, um, but it's really just about everything we're talking about. And like, just, I want to see it. What's beautiful about Rami. It's very much like the Arab American experience. Like my show is very much like the Arab female experience living in LA. So it's like women that grew up in the Arab world, but are now living in LA, you know? So it's that sort of like, it's a little different. I think my it's the show that we all, they're not, they're not Americans, but they're choosing America to be their home. And so that's a very specific thing. I think, um, like leaving your home behind to choose this like new home because you think it has all the answers. And then you discover like, Oh shit, it's, it's, not exactly what I thought it would be. So what do I do now? Um, which has been my experience. I'm, I'm literally so excited for you, Ben. Like, I'm like, I, I, I don't want to be like, hurry the fuck up, but like, we need it. We do. We, we, I'm, need we, it. we, we I'm need like, it. Fuck up. Yeah. Nothing happens fast enough for fast, fast enough for me. It's like, <laughs> maybe that's also like another Arab quality that like, I'm really, I know you shared just by talking to you. I'm like, nothing happens fast enough. Like no. everything needs to be like on fast forward. But yes. at the same time though, cause it's taken me and Jola started writing it like two years ago. Um, and so it's wild that we're like, you know, we're, we've, we've written the pilot and we're just like in that like whole notes kind of, um, dance right now, which is really exciting because 
people are reading it and loving it and it's yeah. really cool. But um, but yeah, it, it's wild how long things take. Um, but I actually think there's, I don't know, it, there's something good to that because you get to like really go moment to moment and like every new step is like such a, an amazing experience. So I'm I really excited, it, but I do you. want it to happen like now. I'm so ready to be on set making this thing. It's like, I'm so ready. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to watch it. I'm ready to support it. And like, just oh, to, like talk it. about it I to like fucking wait. everyone that I, I just, the- Oh, thank you. You're so sweet. I appreciate that so much. It means so much to me that you're excited. Cause that's the point I'm making it for, you know, for it's you for and, and and that's what I'm saying. It's like it's about fucking time that there are cool Arab creatives who are making shows and making art for us to feel like we are a part of this too. This isn't something that's completely out of reach and 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 just mm-hmm. you know watching you kind of navigate this industry is so impressive to me because it's an industry that you know, in a lot of ways, I'm sure you're the first, you're the first this, you're the first that I'm also just making an assumption. But is that is that a fair assumption to make? You know, what's funny, I've, I've had that, I've been called that a few times where like, I was the first Arab to get into Juilliard and NYU, like I was the first blah, blah, blah. like, I've had that named on me. But it's like, I know so many other women doing this too, that I'm like, and you know, it was like, this is the first Arab female show that would be on air. But it's like, and I know that's happened with Rami, but it's so funny. I never think of it that way. Maybe because I'm surrounded by so many creative people. Like, I really have found like a group of creative Arab women and men that are all doing this. So like I look to my left and my right and I'm like, oh, we're all like comrades in arms. Like this is happening yep. at the same time for all of us. And I do think it's like there is like a moment around like – Arabs right now. And I think, you know, a a huge part of that is like a testament to like Rami's success. And, um, I don't know. It's just like, there is, yeah, there, there, there is that feeling where I've, you know, I was like the first Arab girl to be part of like this dance crew when I was growing up. I mean, there were other Arabs there, but they were like, I was the first like Muslim girl, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've, I don't know. It's, It's like, I have a, I have like an interesting relationship to that because I've, that's something that's been like, I've been called a lot and maybe it's true, but it's funny. That's not my personal experience of it because I'm surrounded by so many fucking badass creatives that are yep. doing what I'm doing and like inspiring me. And um, I don't know. I feel like surrounded by a lot of, a lot of that. So it doesn't feel I, like that. I mean, listen, if there's anything I've learned from this podcast where a majority of the people I have on an Arab are Arab there are so many Arabs doing the coolest shit every right, and it's right? like, how did we not? How did? I, let me speak for myself. How did I not know about this? That this was no, happening? No, I feel that way too. I feel that way too. It's so wild. I'm like, I'll meet someone. They're like, Oh yeah, I'm doing this, this, and this, and I've done this. I'm like, Where have you been all my life? Like I've yeah. been looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really exciting and it's I'm exciting. I'm exciting for, excited for you and and what your future is going to hold because honestly you're so fucking talented you're gorgeous like you and I can tell that this is like this is what you love of course there's an ambulance passing by as I'm gassing you up just excellent yeah. <laughs> but that's like that's how I like it you know it's like any, it's like it needs to like 
light comes with dark. Like yeah. you can't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate you saying that so much. It really, I mean, I just, it's funny. I was like, insta stalking you the other day just like look at, i was like god this girl's like most beautiful so stunning your style i'm like you need to like dress i want to like just come over and like borrow all of your clothes like you're just such a star and um i just yeah i'm in awe of like I, i'm just in awe of the way you like carry yourself and you have just like such you're you have such like a you're beautiful so confidence that's so pure i don't know it, it and that's I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. Thank but, you. Um, that's you just really. Like, that's so kind of you to say. Thank you. That really. I mean it, and I just think. I don't know. I'm always like. I think. Um, I was listening to this, another podcast yesterday, and this woman said like beauty is like the first step of um, like connection to like spirituality, and meaning like when you look at the world around you, like yeah, you know, everything is like striving for beauty and what that means is like you know there are like flowers and trees and sunlight and clouds and like I when I it's like all of us are beautiful and it's like own your beauty celebrate your beauty like and I just think you do that so like epically and I just I, I love that I love I love seeing women like celebrate their beauty I just think that's um it's something that we should all do without any self-consciousness or or shame or any of that um it's it's part of I don't know it's part of like the fun of being alive I think it's just I, I couldn't agree more and it makes me so happy that that's how it comes across because it is something that I feel very strongly about and it's it's funny because I'm like these are conversations that I find myself having all the time I just had this conversation with someone who I care about a lot the other day just saying like yeah, being, you know, externally beautiful, it's fucking, it's great. But like, if you feel beautiful internally, and if you feel confident internally, like, that's what people see. When people look at you, that is what they will see. You could be absolutely like have the most perfectly symmetrical face, whatever. But like, if you don't feel it internally, that confidence, that, that love for yourself and all of those things, I'm like, that's what people feel when they're around you. That's what they see. And I, I truly believe that, you know, if, if we could somehow get this message to like fucking just everyone, I just, I don't know why. I don't know. There's just, there's so many unrealistic expectations generally out of women. uh, And then being Arab on top of it, I think there's just like a lot of pressure on us to look a certain way and behave a certain way and, and, and post online in a certain way and just all of these limitations. And I think that we should just all collectively agree that they're pretty fucking arbitrary and, and just be who we want to be and, and feel good about ourselves in whatever form that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but honestly, Dina, like I'm like, this has been such an amazing conversation. I could keep talking to you forever, but I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Any, I really appreciate you coming on. Where can people oh, I loved it. watch you? Where can they find you? Social media, plug everything that you want to. I want everyone to become familiar with you if they aren't already, which you definitely should be. Oh, you're so sweet. I am. Um, I I mean, I, I have an Instagram, I guess, <laughs> um, which is like shehabidina. Um, and I'm shooting a Netflix show right now called Archive 81 that will come out. I think, I don't know, they haven't given us a date, but it'll probably be like end of this year, like top of next that I'm really, really excited about, really proud of. And 
Um, and so keep an eye out for that. And then obviously you have been inshallah, if that all works out in the way that I think it will and hope it will. And, um, and you really have to talk to Rilla or like connect, I'll connect. Oh yes, please. I would, I would love. Has an incredible story and is my hero. And I've just loved creating that with her so, so, so much. She's like my soul sister. Um, but yeah, so those are, those are the things, you know, coming up so and i'm gonna have um dina's instagram linked in the episode description again listen i will be alerting everyone when yabinta comes out so don't even worry about that excited for your netflix like i'm so i i know it's supposed to be a little bit scary i think but like i want to let you know that i'm gonna suck it up for you and i'm gonna watch it i was gonna say are you i'm I'm a little bit my boyfriend's like i'm never gonna watch it i don't i'm scary (laughs) i'm a little bitch i will watch it during the daytime i'm i'm gonna i have i'm gonna have a whole routine yeah yeah yeah. i'm like i do i do i do scary shows in the daytime like yeah i watched on to give hill house and all that because my friend produced it and I loved it and I was like daytime like 11 a.m is like when I started watching it I'm like I will like recruit people to come over like it's I'm like I have I have a whole when I want to watch something scary it's a whole production in itself I'm like I need daylight I need a friend who isn't gonna you know make fun of me for getting scared and covering my face and also I need to have a plan of what what lighthearted tv show I will then watch later in the evening because I need to make you to, feel better. And like, yes, yeah, yes. I, I'm right there with you. It's like have like friends or the office on deck to like watch before sleep for sure. hundred like, Yeah. Great. Just a British baking show. <laughs> That's what I watch. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, since, since, since you brought it up, I'm like Gilmore girls is a show that I will watch. It puts me, to, I love Gilmore. Girls. It's like a weird comforting thing. I don't know. Um, I'm like, yeah. So, and it's just like, I, it's one of those shows that like I could fall asleep listening to it, not in the way where it's boring, but I've just watched it a thousand times. So it is weirdly comforting at this point, but. Um, oh yeah. I love that show so much. I feel the same way. Dina, thank you again so much for coming Thanks, on the show. Habibti. It was such a pleasure. I'm so um, happy we got to connect and Me too. Um, start a good friendship. I'm excited. Yeah, we're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited about that. Um, and thank as you. always, um, you guys can find a beautiful picture of Dina on the Arab American Psycho. Uh, Instagram account. You can follow me on Instagram where I'm always doing weird shit at Nor E. And as always, guys, floss your teeth, wear your sunscreen. Don't be a fucking asshole. And I'll talk to you <laughs> next time. <Sunday. laughs> the best sign off I've ever heard. It's good.